Welcome to the End of Days Conference hosted by Rhema Family Church in February 2016. Our guest speaker is Reverend Joseph Morris. Dear friends, that you know, we don't get to talk to each other as much as we want, but even if you haven't seen each other for a little while, you pick right back up where you were, and we're basically crazy. So, we all of our times on the road, we, we, we laugh so hard that we'd almost get kicked out of hotels because we'd be laughing so hard. So, it should be that way. We should be filled with joy, filled with gladness, no sorrow, uh, gladness. And isn't it something about, if you, if you notice the theme about the rapture of the church, you re- read those different things, it's all about not having sorrow, having hope, having gladness. Look how over and over again, uh, you know, in probably the last 10 to 15 years when every invitation a pastor would call me, hey, would you come preach on end time? Sure. Another invitation, would you come preach on end time? Sure. Another invitation, end time's like, really? Because for so many years I did gifts of the Spirit and how to get the power through you, not just to you. And so it was a, you know, I didn't really want to do end times because it's, I would rather preach and scream. End times, I got to slow down and, you know, it's methodical. And, uh, and how the Lord just really hammered me about, I want my kids happy. I want them expectant. The whole thing about end time preaching is a supernatural expectation. He really, really can't wait to see you. I told you last night, when I see my picture of my daughter on my phone, I light up because I get to talk to my little girl. If I think like that, think of how he thinks about you. We have a portion of that love. I mean, we've learned that love through having kids, but he can't wait to see you. So uh, uh, it's, there's, there should be a radical, radical, radical joy. And uh, that's normal. It's abnormal to not have joy. I mean, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So how do you think you're going to finish off your course without strength? And think of having the, the pump into us about how near we are to the coming of the Lord that renews our strength so we run faster, get more accomplished in a shorter period of time. You've been destined to close off the church age, so you're probably going to do more in a shorter period of time than any generation. In a, in a relay race, it's always the, the last relay guy's the fastest. So the Lord's looked at you and said, you're the fastest spiritually. So I believe that we'll pick up on things. You know that, uh, uh, I, you probably heard me say that last night or today, a heightened awareness about the presence of Jesus. And I hear the Holy Ghost say even about angels, about, about things that are supernatural. Let's not be weird about it, but be, be scriptural. There should be all the scriptural things about the things that we have, not weird at all. I don't know why we want to get in the ditch one way or the other. Let's don't get in the ditch. And I was reminded as I walked to the back room there, I could just feel it. You know, some people think, well, how is everybody going to go in the rapture if they're saved? Well, uh, it, it, you know, what about losing your salvation? Do you believe in uh, once saved, always saved? No, you can lose your salvation. It's just hard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and that's the same thing about the rapture. It, you can lose your salvation, but it's very, 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 very hard. I mean, even Paul, that guy that was messed up, Paul turned him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, and his soul be saved dead judgment. So you can get so much in the flesh that you mentally start uh, rebuking Jesus because you'd have to believe and say that you're rebuking. That's how you got saved. That's how you'd have to get rid of him. You'd have to believe and say it. Remember, you'd have to taste of the powers of the world to come, crucify yourself afresh to the Son of God. Most people don't even qualify, and when they're stupid in their head, God's not looking to kick people out of heaven. I should throw something when I say that. <laughs> he, he's not trying to keep you out. Why would he do that when he's already paid the price for you? I, I'll give you this story, and uh, I, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this, but we'll, there's an old uh, comedian in America named Sam Kennison. He's crazy. Even in the 70s, you remember him doing his comedian routine? He would scream. And it would just make you laugh because he screamed so much. And he was an old Pentecostal preacher's kid. And he would rebuke and mock Jesus 
from his stage all the time. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, I'd pray for him. I'd go, Lord, help that guy because he probably got hurt in some way. So he's acting out his hurt. I mean, he was so mean about Jesus. I was like, oh dear Lord. But he was funny because he was a good comedian. But then he'd throw in the stuff about the Lord. And it was just horrible. I mean, it was horrible. I'd just go, oh my God, you need to be quiet. Well, he was on his way, just got married. Uh, this was about 10 years ago. Got, I mean, just vile stuff about Jesus. I mean, it just scared me. I'm just, I just sit there and cringe and go, man, your dad is in heaven now. I'm thinking of you over the banister talking bad about Jesus publicly. And, you know, he lived a bad life and all that. But he was on his way from uh, uh, Los Angeles to, to uh, Las Vegas, and he was just getting married. And he was in a car wreck. And his new wife sat there and said, I watched him lay on the ground as he got out of the car wreck, and he had this conversation with an angel. And, the, and he said to the angel, do I have to go now? And, uh, and the angel said, yeah, it'd be good for you to go now. So he even got to go home and be with the Lord, and God gave him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, mocking God publicly, and he still went home to be with the Lord. His, his wife said, all of a sudden, this peace came over him, and he goes, okay, I'll go home now. And I mean, even in the midst of being that bad to the Lord, God's so merciful. You know what I'm saying? We think that if my daughter got mad at me and said, you know, I'm going to curse you, Dad, I'd go, that's too bad. I'm going to follow you all over the earth. Nothing's going to change my love for you. Plus, you're born of me. Your DNA is, is in you. My DNA is in you. It's hard to change your nature. I'm not saying that to give you a license to sin. I'm saying that to get bold about your salvation. Be strong and bold as he is. So are we in this world. You know, and as a traveling guy, I have to go to kind of extremes to pull people back to the middle because they've gotten such a diluted gospel. They've gotten such a diluted gospel. Now, hang with me, that when we think of boldness, it's really not bold, it's called Christianity. I tell this story. We're going to come back to Daniel 70's week here in a second. I'll be right there. I tell this story. I was preaching in Pittsburgh years ago, and um, <laughs> I was preaching along, and I said, hey, I dare the devil to try to kill me in a car wreck. I dare him to give me cancer. I dare him to make me blind. And boy, everybody got quiet. Everybody kind of sucked in the air like that, you know. I said, I didn't say the devil could. I just said, I dare him to. Now, why can I say that? Because God's already said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I said, if that makes you scared, you've got more faith in the devil than you do God. Because he's already said about me, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now, where did I get that? Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin was preaching in Southern California, and uh, the, the, the Asian flu had come through there, and they couldn't even play football because they, all the players had the Asian flu, so they had to cancel the football game. And the preachers were standing around Brother Hagin, and he said, I'll just tell you right now, I'll never have the Asian flu. And the other preachers gasped. <gasps> I wouldn't say that for all the money in the world. Brother Hagin said, why? He said, because the devil might hear you. Brother Hagin said, that's just the dude I want to hear me. <laughs> Don't you love hearing Kenneth Hagin talk like that? Just the dude I want to hear it. And so I, I, with that, I'm in that church in Pittsburgh, and I said, I dare the devil try to kill me, you know, and I went through the whole routine, and uh, everybody kind of freaked out a little bit, you know, like, oh my God, you're crazy. Now, I say this, because some people go, well, you haven't been through much hell, you wouldn't say that. I can match you hell for hell after the service. Only God ever challenged me on it, got down on his knees and bawled. Because see, you back away from your boldness because of things you went through. Because see, boldness is an atmosphere for, for the manifestation of Jesus. So <laughs> I said that, you know, and everybody got kind of quiet, and I just said it, you know, I dare him to kill my family, I dare him to kill me, I dare him to kill me in a car wreck. Well, after the service, this woman come walking up to me. I didn't, she didn't even say hello. She just walks right up to me, and uh, she goes, <laughs> she started walking up to me, and she starts shaking, blah, blah, and, I, and I thought a friend of ours had sent her money to pretend she's possessed with the devil. 
And I thought, I thought, how in the world did he get her to be so convincing? Because she walked up, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your family. And I thought, well, go ahead. You get your money's worth. So I just let her go thinking, how did my buddy convince her to act like that? Because, I mean, she was wholehearted. She's like, I'm going to kill you, kill your family. And I was like, wow. All of a sudden, she started cursing like a sailor, blankety, blankety, blank. I said, wow, that's not my buddy. This woman's possessed. And I cast the devil out of her, and she flopped around like a catfish out of water, you know. And my thinking is, isn't that something, this woman's so bold, I don't even know her, and she walks up and starts telling me what the devil's going to do to me. How dare someone being filled with Lucifer be bolder than someone filled with God? But you notice I had a confrontation the minute I said, I dare the devil to try to do that. So, so I'm saying, and see, we think of that as bold. That's not bold. That's normal Christianity. We've just gotten so accustomed to a deluded gospel that anytime we see normal Christianity, oh, that's just too bold. That's not bold. Come on. So we, 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 I say that because of what I said last hour. I have to go to a kind of an extreme to get us so confident in your salvation that nothing can separate me from him. Mm. He said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Then he said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So there's a dominion in us that we've got to get that thought pattern. And I know you have it, but I, I go to extremes in that just to get people to have peace. You hear in time preaching, it should show strength in your faith, buoy your faith in the rapture, knowing it's the hope that purifies you even as you're pure. So you're walking around your house giddy and skipping, and people think something's wrong with you. Woo, I'm about to see Jesus face to face. They go, well, you're nuts. I'm nuts and I'm happy. I'm about to see Jesus face to face. Don't bother me. Amen? It, the, we should be, he said, exhort one another. You know what that, that means? Call nearer to God. You say, hey, Lord's coming back. Hey, Jesus is coming back. Hey, Jesus is coming back. Like, what? What, is you crazy? No, I'm doing what the Bible said. It does something to your spirit. Hmm. And the devil hates it, but too bad, so sad. He's a loser. Loser. All right, grab your Bibles. Um, let's go back to Daniel. And then, as Pastor Tony said, I'll sing something off my greatest hits album for sure. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> soon and very soon. We're going to see the king. Mm, hallelujah. All right, go to Daniel chapter 9. Now, we need to kind of be awake for just a few minutes. I won't keep you real long, but let's just kind of awaken our minds. Everybody say caffeine. Because there's a lot of really detailed information here for a second. But once we get into this, it makes everything kind of fit in place and stay in order. And, and when you see how orderly the scripture is, you just go, wow, how cool is our God? So go to Daniel 9, skip down to verse 1. It's page 994 if you've got a Bible like mine. He says, in the first year of Darius, which was the son over whatever that is, I can't pronounce it, which was the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in desolation of Jerusalem. And Daniel goes, hey, I set my face uh, uh, to the Lord God to seek by prayer and fasting and sackcloth and ashes. All this is is that they were in captivity for 70 years. So Daniel was smart enough to go, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out why we're in jail. So Daniel goes to, to, in sackcloth and ashes in prayer. Isn't it cool that he's just trying to find out why they're in jail? And God's not only going to show them that, he's going to show them all the nations that were on the earth all the way up to the coming of the Lord. Isn't it cool Always God always gives you exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think? Amen? So mentally run with me. They're in jail for 70 years. 
Why? He went back to the books and he found out that they were supposed to let the land rest every seven years. Okay? You'd be so blessed throughout the sixth that you're supposed to let the land rest on the seventh year. Don't plant on the seventh. Okay? Don't plant on the seventh. Well, they kind of fudged a little bit. They fudged on one seventh year, kept doing it, fudged another year, kept doing another year, kept doing another year. Guess how long they missed God and kind of broke the law there? 490 years. So they owed the land back 70 years. See how precise God is in Old Covenant time? Okay, I told you to let the land rest. Uh, and, you, and how long they broke the law? 490 years. So he goes, okay, no problem. I'll put you in jail. I'll make you pay the land back for 70 years. So think of that mentally for a minute. That's a huge deal. Remember Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive somebody? 70 times 7, 490 times. I guess that was the length of forgiveness in the Old Covenant. So they messed up for how long? 490 years. How long did they mess up? 490. Keep that in your brain, 490. So watch Gabriel help Daniel. He skips over to verse 23, and here Gabriel's going to give Daniel some really cool info. In verse 23, at the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show you that you're greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. So watch this. He says, 70 segments of seven, or 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. So just think of that for a minute. He said, you missed it for 490 years. God's giving you another 490. Okay? You blew it for 490. God's giving you another chance of 490. All, that, all 70 segments of seven are is 490 years. That's just a different way of saying it. So we all got that, right? You missed it for 490. Gabriel goes, God's giving you another opportunity. How sweet of him. But who's it determined upon? The Jews and the holy city. Who's it determined upon? The Jews and the holy city. Okay? Has nothing to do with the church. God's so precise in the Old Covenant, they broke the law for 490, he put them in jail for 70 years to pay it back. So Gabriel, he goes, guess what? The Lord's given you guys another 490 years. How cool is that? And then he even tells them why. Watch what he says. He says it's for the Jews and for the holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now this is cool, the next verse here in verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince shall be a certain amount of weeks or years. And I'm going to add the weeks up for you so you don't have to mentally do it. Okay, this is a pretty big statement right here. This is, this is God saying you can keep time with me. From the going forth of the commandment to rebuild Jerusalem until Jesus is going to come is a certain amount of years. Now watch, King Artaxerxes, he saw Nehemiah. Nehemiah was bummed out. He was depressed. Nehemiah was like, oh, Jerusalem's overthrown. It's not cool. Jerusalem's overthrown. It's not cool. King Artaxerxes goes, you know what? Why don't we rebuild Jerusalem? So he makes a proclamation. He makes the commandment. We're going to rebuild Jerusalem. Gabriel said, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Jesus comes is going to be a certain amount of years. All right? If you add it up, it's 483 years. Remember when Jesus was on the earth, they said, are you the Messiah? He said, uh, go tell them what you see and what you hear. They say, are you the one? He goes, go tell them what you see and you hear. The deaf uh, hear, the lame walk. He wouldn't really come right out and go, you know, I'm the Messiah. But there came a time where what it was prophesied, he come riding into Jerusalem on that donkey. And as they came in, they put the palm branches down. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they said, oh, that means, that means you're the Messiah. And they said, oh, don't say that. You're admitting you're the Messiah. He said, if they didn't do it, the rocks would cry out. 
because it was exactly 483 years from when that commandment came forth. So, so the Bible says when the commandment came forth, he's going to come after 483. What did he promise them? 490. He owes them seven years of old covenant time. That's Daniel's 70th week. That's the book of Revelation. So you have to leave so he pays them back those seven years that he owes them. Has nothing to do with the church. <laughs> and we, we, we want to be a part of that, but really, God's so cool. We do our stuff, and then we're going to depart. He's going to raise up 144,000 Jewish evangelists, 12,000 from each tribe. And they're going to go out and preach, and they're going, to, they're going to go, this church that disappeared, all those churches that are vacant, you need to turn and repent, turn to him. And, and, and while the, the first seal's being opened up, those, those guys are going to be preaching like a house of fire. And they'll have a wonderful harvest. But notice this. It, it's very, very... Does everybody understand that? He promised them 490. He came after 483. Owes them seven years. Who's he owe? The Jews. And, and Jerusalem. Not us. So it's really just for them. That's why I'm saying you can't be here. It's not for you. We in the church want to be so significant. You know, we want to be so significant that it's all about us. Well, we're going to do our part, but we're not everything. God's going to actually, we'll do our part, and he's going to hand off, exactly like Elijah and Elisha. Uh, Elisha, it was handed off to him. You see types of that all throughout the Scripture. So it is okay. It kind of takes some pressure off of you. We do the will of God as best we can. We, we finish the church age. We, we go into all the world, preach the gospel as hard as we can, with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our might. But there are actually going to be some things that we don't do that we're going to depart and they're going to do that's okay you know we have a tendency to think it's all about us but it's not all about us we'll do our part for some strange reason <laughs> there in called the book of romans uh the, the bible says the gifts and the callings of god are without repentance talking about the nation of israel oh you ready for this mm. we use that chapter in romans chapter 12 you know uh, be not conformed to this world but be you conformed uh, by the renewing of your mind to the word. He's not talking about renewing your mind to the word. He's talking about renewing your mind to the gifts and the callings that are on your life. He's talking about the nation of Israel. He's going to reuse them again. Well, hang with me on this. This will go really good. You ready? Uh, notice why they, why they were broken off and God raised up you and I. Because of unbelief and because of murmuring. They missed the destiny for their life because of irritability. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Start the car. I'll be right there. <laughs> Amen. We'll, we'll, we'll be right out that door. Here we go. So a whole nation missed their destiny, and God had to raise you up, raise you up because of irritability. They, they'd kill somebody? No problem. Commit adultery? No problem. You go to whining and complaining? We got a problem. <laughs> I mean, he didn't like adultery. He didn't like murder, but he'd forgive them. They started complaining so much, he's like, I'm done with you. Now, I'm just preaching to you now. Hang with me. So <laughs> the, 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 what we want... It gets uncomfortable when we talk about that. Irritability, not murder. Irritability kept them out of their destiny. So that's why Paul said, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, be transformed. Why do you present your body? Have you ever been to a funeral? Have you ever seen someone in the casket complain about their clothes? They're laying in the casket. I don't like this suit they gave me. You don't hear any complaining. You don't hear any murmuring. The, a whole nation missed their destiny because of murmuring and complaining. Get ready. The Bible said that'd be the climate right before the coming of the Lord. They'd be murmurers. They'd be speaking great swelling words. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds weird, doesn't it? <laughs> so uh, if a whole nation could miss their destiny because of murmuring, 
I mean, think about it. Here you got, you got God raised you up just because of people's irritability. So what does that tell you now? Let's don't be irritable. <laughs> Let's just be easy to get along with. Don't be frustrated. Well, you know, that's just kind of the way my genes are. No, that's called you yielding to the flesh. Well, you know, I have a chemical imbalance. No, that's you yielding to the flesh. Well, you might have a chemical imbalance. Whatever. Tell your flesh to shut up. That doesn't go real good. <laughs> Sorry. And remember, I'm the traveling guy. <laughs> Pastors whose decency, I'm supposed to exude urgency. No, because we're living in a day where everybody complains about everything. Well, it's too hot, too cold. Well, I was talking about my daughter, Lauren. She rent, did all these missions trips, and um, she was in charge of all these interns for years. They, she's gone to 30-some-odd nations. And on the interns, they were, they were not allowed to complain. You could not state the obvious. It's hot. Well, of course it's hot. It's summertime. You know what I'm saying? So we, we have a tendency to want to complain about stuff that... I have no idea what I'm talking about. I've never preached, uh, said these words in a Romans while I've preached on the rapture for my whole life. I'm just saying this. If that's a, a climate before the coming of the Lord, there's about 50 things that I don't get a chance to get into about the coming of the Lord. Keep this spot unrebukable unto the appearing of the Lord. We'll get to that commandment tonight or in a little bit. There's all these little things that God's real conscious of that we think about right before we're raptured that we don't get a chance to preach on a lot. But here you see a nation that God's going to pay them back in those seven years. So that seven years is a completely different time for them and not us. Do you understand how much boldness that gives you that you're going in a pre-tribulation rapture? Because there's a lot of teaching, well, it's mid-tribulation because the wrath of God is the latter part of the tribulation. Hang with me. He can't open the seals. Listen, he can't open the seals if you're here because the first seal is the Antichrist. Okay, He, Jesus, can't open the seals until you depart because the first seal is the Antichrist. So that, that shoots away a mid-tribulation rapture. I got about 40-some-odd verses that show the church can't be here during the tribulation. Now, I don't say that to try to go, I don't, I'm afraid of something. I'm just trying to say, let's be scriptural. And it produces joy, it produces hope. If you want to go through the tribulation, you can tribulate all you want. Why don't you go out there and get run over by a car? If you think that brings God glory, you're nuts. I mean, that's, that's the mentality in America. God's going to beat you up so you'll get stronger. That's insane. All I, if going through hell made me a better Christian, I'd be glowing in the dark. I'd just be walking. You know what I'm saying? I don't even need electricity. I'll produce my own. Yeah, come on. No, that's a stupid mentality. If that was true, then go ahead and break your kid's arm so you can show them how bad it is to have a broken arm. No, they put you in jail. But our dad, bless his heart, gets blamed for that mm. okay so i have no idea where all that came from let's go back everybody so glad you came <laughs> all right go back to uh, uh you're there in daniel we'll get into some cool things here for a minute look at verse 26 after three score and two weeks sal messiah be cut off now i added up the weeks for you so you don't have to figure out how to do that that was 280 200 483 years messiah shall be cut off wow man but not for himself wow and the people of the prince that shall come, talking about the Romans and talking about the Antichrist and talking about the revival of the Roman Empire, shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, which they did in 70 A.D. It's amazing how there's so much compacted in this one verse. He talks about who's going to crucify Jesus, who's going to be there to handle the platform for the Antichrist. <laughs> uh, it talks about who's going to destroy the city. The Romans did in 70 A.D. I mean, here Daniel's prophesying. Uh, Gabriel's giving him a couple stuff, and it's just... Phew, I mean, you want Gabriel to go, oh, by the way, this is a lot going on here. I'm sure Daniel's just going, Gabriel's talking to me. This is crazy. So here he goes, uh, um, and to the end of the flood and war and desolation are determined. Okay, look at verse 27. 
And he, talking about the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So what the Antichrist is going to do, he's going to sign a, a, some kind of an agreement with Israel for one, for one week. Now, I was talking to someone earlier. Uh, you know, uh, this is conjecture again. I'm going to guess with you for a minute. You know, the Bible says that we depart and then the Antichrist can be revealed. It may be a year, it may be four years before they sign an agreement with Israel before the Antichrist does that. And then you enter into the tribulation. There's no scripture that says it's going to be two months, five months, seven months. That's why I say when it comes to timing of the coming of the Lord, we could be raptured, and then the tribulation doesn't necessarily start the day after that. It could start two years after that. The tribulation starts when the Antichrist signs an agreement with Israel for seven years. That's when the Bible says the tribulation starts. Okay, if you want to be scriptural. So it might be two months, it might be six months, I don't know. I'm guessing it has to be within probably a year or two just because of all the compression of everything that takes place. And there's a couple other things, variables you want to throw in there. But let's go back to it for a little bit. And uh, we're in Bible school, so we can kind of open up all the cans of worms here for a minute. So not worms, good stuff, amen? He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, talking about mid midway through the seven years, he'll cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease and the overspreading of the abomination. He'll make it desolate even under the consummation that, that are determined shall be uh, poured upon the desolate. Man, there's a lot said there. So we know midway through the, 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 the tribulation, Lucifer enters into the Antichrist and he... Uh, possesses him we know the antichrist is here before but he's just being used of the devil midway through the trib though he's possessed of him and lucifer has 42 months to operate through a man three three and a half years 42 months just like jesus said three and a half years so isn't it something when jesus was here he went about doing good healing all that were oppressed of the devil for god was with him the antichrist goes about kills steals and destroys just like lucifer man you see a dire direct opposite there so think about that number 42 it's kind of interesting 42 so midway through the trib is 42 months. The latter part is 42 months. Everybody with me? <laughs> Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain for how long? 42 months. 42 is the number of judgment. Uh, remember the <laughs> Elijah went up and, and the, the kids came out and started mocking Elisha. And, and, and two she-bears came out and killed 42 of them, mocking the rapture. Go up, go up, bald head, go up, bald head. And they got killed. <laughs> so 42 is the number of judgment. Um, you think of uh, where, where uh, uh, the war was, I don't know, the, the Iran War, the Iraq War, mainly the Iraq War, at the Tigris and the Euphrates Valley. There's all this stuff that the whole earth goes back. I remember Colin Powell was sitting there with that, uh, the American general was sitting there with that map behind him, and the Tigris and the Euphrates is right there. And here you have countries going into Iraq back then as forerunners for all the countries that are right there right now. And you, the, the, the setup is here for that seven-year period when you've got Russia having a base in Baghdad along with England, along with France, along with Germany, along with the U. The U.S. has a base right now with doing its air stuff with Russia in Baghdad. And I'm, I'm thinking here you had all these nations come together for that 42-month period, the Great Tribulation, I mean, seven-year tribulation, but half of it's 42 months. You have all of them doing that right now. So my friend, it's a, it's a very, very sobering time to live, but it's also the most rejoicing time we can ever imagine. So now here, this is complicated, and there's a bunch you can get into here, but does everybody get this? Everybody understand this? That time is for the Jews and for the holy city. It's interesting how segmented God is, that he treats them completely like he said he would. 
All the promises that he promised over them, he'll bring them to pass. And just run with me for a minute, because I want to get into this before we close. Uh, I don't know if I got into it, but there is no such thing as Palestinian people. Did I get a chance to talk about that? I think I forgot, because I mentioned it. I mentioned it, but I didn't get into it. There there is no such thing as a Palestinian people. Um, this, This entity there saying that they're occupied now. The, the EU gives the Palestinians 400 million a year. America gives the Palestinians 800 million to a billion dollars a year. Okay? The moment Israel gave Gaza to the Palestinians, they started firing rockets from Gaza. One of my buddies that I talk to periodically in Israel, every time I call him, he goes, Well, we're going to the bomb shelter right now. Because the people in Gaza keep firing rockets into Israel. It's just insanity. Okay, we were talking about it in Dubai. Uh, they, they built the highest building, you know, tallest building in the world. Built a Formula One racetrack, very cool. Built a cool golf course. Israel gives Gaza the Palestinians on the beach, beachfront property, and they fire rockets at Israel. And no one says a word in the world. So the, the word Palestinian means no covenant. Remember David talking about Goliath? You uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, he didn't have a covenant, so David was bold. So that word Palestine comes from the word Philistine, meaning no covenant. Okay? So Satan named the land no covenant because God said, I swear by no greater oath than me myself, the land is yours. And you've got today, 2016, the EU saying that the land is occupied and that they're going to force Israel out of their land because it's occupied. It's not occupied. <laughs> God promised it to them. And even through the, through the law of battle, they won Jerusalem. Then the War of Independence in 1948, they won the land back. Yet the whole world is getting ready for this chapter right here. The world is set up for, for, for Daniel chapter 9. I mean, it's just almost crazy how you see everything happening that's set up to all of a sudden get the world ready for things that were in the Scriptures. You're, you're watching a, a, a flex of Lucifer's muscles to go, i got to get this done. Now hang with me, and we'll stop. The Bible says that the devil knows he has a short time when he enters into Lucifer. He doesn't even know he has a short time right now. Everybody quotes that all the time. That's a misquote. He doesn't know what time it is until he's cast out of heaven midway through the tribulation, comes down to the earth, and goes into the temple and presents himself as God. Then he knows he has a short time. That's when he figures out he has three and a half years left. He's so stupid, he still can't keep time. It specifically says that. Now he knows that he has but a short time. Everybody gives him so much credence, but this is the war of the ages. Every movie where you see the hero coming in at the end and saving the day, the earth is getting ready for the hero, Jesus of Nazareth, to come back at the second coming. You thought Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was the one that was going to be leading the charge. There's so much glory coming out of his face. He's going to be coming from heaven, and you're going to be right there on white horses with him, and you talk about the radiance of God coming out of the leader as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he'll hold that scepter up like that and the whole earth will freak out as we come back with him and I don't know what the protocol is to ride on a horse I, I've flown in a plane I've, I've ridden motorcycles but I ain't never flown on a horse but all of a sudden you're going to come back flying with him at that second coming and Lucifer is going to be shut up and stopped right there and all these verses are about what's getting ready to happen and you're watching the assembly of all this stuff set up for it right now the king of kings and the lord of lords is just about to step out of heaven, come back for his church, halfway down, we'll go up to meet him in the air, and we'll go up for this reward seat of Christ and marriage supper of the Lamb. You talk about a party? Come on. We don't have to do the dishes? Won't that be cool? 
I think of the protocol of, of serving a meal for I don't know how many billion people, but man, it's going to be awesome. And we'll stand before him there at the throne, the sea of glass, clear as crystal. It's the only element that cannot hide a flaw. You'll be flawless before the throne. And it says the, the, the water's smooth, no more storms. Oh, come on, you ought to shout over that. Woo! No, no, no. We, thank God we have the authority to speak to the storm now. We, we, we use our authority and we rejoice in that. But it will be wonderfully nice to never, ever after that be subject to a storm. Mm, 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 mm. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So we exhort one another with these things. So with all these things happening in Daniel, there's a, Daniel's 70th week. That's what's called Daniel's 70th week. That's the book of Revelation. There's more verses about that period of seven years than anything in the Scripture. So why is that a big deal? People are afraid of it. People go, well, I'm afraid to read the book of Revelation. It's extremely, tomorrow morning we'll get into some of the stuff that happens during the tribulation. It's point by point by point. Some of it's a little intriguing, but the Bible says you're blessed if you read it. You're blessed if you read it. And why is that a big deal? God said, I'm God. I'll tell you what's going to happen before it happens. So we have all this information about end times. Why? So we lift up our heads. Our redemption is drawing nigh. I believe I'll get into it at length tonight. I don't know what's going on with my microphone. My thing keeps popping off my head here, but we'll get it. Um, your, I'll give you a little preview of what we'll get into tonight. Your, your next appointment with the Lord is the reward seat of Christ. I'll give you about a two-minute preview. Okay? The reward seat is called the Bema. It's not the judgment seat. It's quoted the judgment seat three times in the epistles, but it's not the judgment seat. That's a wrong, that's a mistranslation. The Greek word is B-E-M-A, Bema, means reward seat. Okay, have you ever seen someone in the Olympics be afraid to go to get their, their medals? <laughs> have you ever seen them go, oh, I'm about to get a gold, I can't go up there? No, man, all that training, all that excitement, they go up to get their medal. All of a sudden, after this rapture, you're gonna go before the reward seat of Christ and uh, you're going to be rewarded for the motive of your heart. Listen, the motive of your heart, the motive of your heart, either gold, silver, and precious stones or wood, hay, and stubble. You don't want to have a bonfire at the reward seat of Christ. You don't want to go, you don't want the angels going, did you see that fire? What was that? Oh, my God. You, you don't want a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. You want some gold, silver, and precious stones. Amen? And um, uh, gold is your devotional life. God, we'll get into all that. Silver, the tongue of the justice of choice silver. So all of a sudden, everything you've done on the earth is going to preach for you. It's going to preach. The Bible says the day shall declare it. It'll preach for you. Right after we're raptured, even before the marriage supper of the Lamb, you'll go to that reward seat. You'll stand before Jesus, and his, his light will read your life. And whatever you did for the wrong motive will be toast right there, wood, hands, double. Whatever you did for the proper motive, you'll be rewarded. Gold, silver, and precious stones. And you talk about excitement. You, you'll, you'll, you'll adorn yourselves with your faithfulness. You'll have gold and silver to be all over you. And you'll be clothed in the next dispensation, indicative to what you did in this dispensation. Just like in the military. You see a general, he's got badges of valor right there. He's got stars right there. He doesn't have to tell you he's faithful. You know he's faithful. I, I, I say this, you, you don't want to be wearing a Speedo bathing suit during the millennial reign of Christ. <laughs> People are going, aha, didn't do anything during the church age, did you? <laughs> no, you want some robes on, Amen. Now think of my dad. My dad got saved on his deathbed. You know, it's like he, he, he's going to have a little skimpy little suit on during the millennium. I'm going to be throwing robes at him going, Dad, put something on, buddy. 
But you, you know that sounds crazy. You won't be jealous of somebody. You won't go, you know, I wish I had a cool robe like that. You go, look at that. Look at Paul. Look at John. Look at those guys. Look at their robes. They did the will of God. So all this time right now, we have preparation to get ready for the reward seat. Tonight, I think I'll preach on it a little bit longer, but uh, that this is a preview. This, everything you do counts for him. Even though we're stepping into eternity, it all counts. So with all the verses that show you you're living right before the rapture, right before the tribulation period, right before the second coming, three major events, let's let these verses push us. Let's let them accelerate our pace and, and put, put the flesh aside. Don't be agitated. I think that's why the Lord taught me about, about irritability. I don't normally preach on that. Don't be irritable about anything. Give it, we all have a tendency we get agitated about anything. No, no, no. Make the decision. That's not going to bother me. It's actually called being a, a grown-up Christian, not a baby. Because I do say this, I'm preaching in America, I'll travel around, I go, well, you know, I did bring some diapers to one service. Most p- churches you go to, you just should have a bunch of diapers because everybody just whines all the time. <laughs> it's good to be in church. Well, why do I say that? Because see, people get frustrated about things that they never should get frustrated about. We should be problem solvers, not problem creators. Make yourself be a problem solver. Serve like you've never served before. <laughs> I hear people go, you know, Jesus, I do the works of Jesus, John 14. And I can quote John 14. I can quote the whole chapter. I mean, I can. I, if, I, if I wanted to, I could right now. Sometimes I'll do it just to be ornery. You know? I can't quote John 13. I can quote John 14. Oh, man. I don't know what's going on with my microphone here. It's kind of fl- flinging off my ear. We'll get there. Here we go. You know, f- you know, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. He said, if it's a father, I would have told you. He said, how long, I've been so long time with you, yet hast thou not known me? If you know me, you should have known the Father also. Henceforth you know him, you should have seen him. Oh, come on now. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. If you believe on me, the works that I do, you'll do also. Greater works that you shall you do, because I go into my Father. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. <laughs> Amen. He said, and he said, keep my commandments if you love me. I'll pray the Father who will give you another comfort that may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because he knoweth not. And dwell, for he dwells with you, shall be in you. I can quote the whole chapter. I could have started verse 1. But I can't quote John 13. Guess what Jesus did in John 13? He washed their feet. John 14 is awesome. <laughs> John 13, i got to wash their feet. No, you don't have to wash people's feet. Have a servant's mentality before you're caught up. Okay? That gets your mind off of you. It's just good to give of yourselves. Sacrifice. I remember every service I'm in right now, I can feel a tangible anointing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even pray for it. The guy I was working for had this real strong tangible anointing. And I remember I'd have to unload the truck, you know, and guys would call me. They'd say, hey, I want to come. I want to be around that anointing. I said, well, come help me unload the truck. Guess how many came and helped me unload the truck? Zero. So he's not looking for great preachers. He's looking for availability in a servant's heart. I'm saying that because he, he wants us to not to be irritable. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be joyful. With all of these verses pointing to this, let's let it change us. Let's rejoice and be glad for our redemption is drawing nigh. Rejoice and be glad. Lift up our hearts in adoration and praise with thanksgiving that the King of kings and Lord of lords that has bought and purchased us is soon to arrive on the planet and we shall be changed. This mortal will put on immortality and we shall be changed. Hallelujah. Amen.
Amen, 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 amen. You know, I didn't get into it, but 1 Corinthians 15, because I've got to close. 1 Corinthians 15 says you've got, you got flesh of birds, you have flesh of fishes. He said you, the glory of one's one, the glory of another's another. Just as you have borne the image of the earthy, you'll also bear the image of the heavenly. And then he said, now I say unto you, brethren, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God, neither does incorruption inherit, corruption inherit incorruption. He said, but we shall be changed. That word moment, a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, and we shall be raised incorruptible. We shall be caught up. Hallelujah. He said, wherefore, my beloved brethren, because of that, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So he, he puts you right in there going, hey, you're about to be changed, so hustle. Well, that went over real good. <laughs> good night, everybody. Drive safely. <laughs> Start the car. I'll be right there. No, it's exciting. Exciting times. See the flawlessness of God and see the plan of God coming to a consummation right here at the end of this dispensation and see your part to finish off the church age. You're writing your own chapter. Can we follow you around and write down what the Lord's doing in your life? Mm. You're writing your own chapter. You're writing your resume. So we're so blessed. We have a little bit of time left. I know I went over a little bit of time this morning, but we'll come back tonight. and We'll get into a little bit more about the reward seat, and, uh, and we'll see what else we go into. But uh, tomorrow we'll get into some of the tribulations, second coming, and millennium. A lot of stuff to cover tomorrow, and uh, we'll have fun. So thanks for being so easy to preach to. And just remember, we're very, very soon to see Him face to face. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by this teaching and are freshly excited about our Savior's imminent return and how we should be living in anticipation of this blessed hope. For more information on Rama Family Church or to partner with us in producing more resources like this, please visit rhema.org.au.